the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black. Talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening. So you can find me online at robblackshow.com. Find me on Rob at robblackshow.com. If you want to talk about the recent hard knock life of the stock market, the quick turnaround on a decent jobs report, we'll talk about that. U.S. payroll surge in December and to boost the economic outlook. It's U.S. versus the rest of the world. That's what it feels like right now. Speaking about a person of small stature versus the rest of the world, let's bring on CFP, Chad Burton, NewFocusFinancial.com. It's NewFocusFinancial.com. How are you, Mr. Burton? <laughs> Great, besides the intro. Oh, it's what I was trying to get at. Well, I, you know what I was trying to get at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just a jerk. So <laughs> It's Friday. I can get over it over the weekend. It's bad cop, good cop. Um, yeah, let's talk a little financial planning issues. I like doing sure. that with you. Um, newfocusfinancial.com. Anything you hear on the show, you can go find out probably a little bit more at newfocusfinancial.com. Um, you recently did a whole show, or you heard a show on annuities. Uh, equity index annuities. Sounds really too good to be true. Already right there, because it's starting to mash terms. Equity, woo Index, woo-hoo. Annuities. Ah. The guy on the show you said acted like a financial planner, but at the same time, he said he's basically the only investment a retiree needs because there is no downside in income for life. Talk a little bit more about this because that doesn't sound right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, first of all, I you know I really have this annoyance with people because I started in that side of the business, so I know how insurance and sales and things like that works. I also quickly found out that I didn't want to do that, and I wanted to give you know financial advice that people pay a fee for so they can have a fiduciary and get unbiased advice. So when somebody calls themselves a financial planner, but at the same time, they say this equity index linked annuity is the only investment that you need. It, it's There's something wrong there. There's something that's not right in the health industry. It, it continues to change. People, I think, they need to be more educated. Um, now, not all annuities are bad. I think you and I on the radio used to say even five, six years ago that they pretty much were. 
and the annuity industry has grown up a little bit, but the problem is, is there's still these products out there that offer all of these great guarantees, and most of them have hidden charges that pretty much wipe away those guarantees for somebody. It's either your spouse or your kid. So what people pitch these annuities as is that, okay, first of all, what's the investment? The investment is in the S&P 500, but it's an, an indexed product. So you get a certain percentage of the upside in the annuities. It's only about 4 or 5%. So if the market goes up 20, you get 4 or 5%. Market goes down 20, you just get zero or one percent that year. So you're like, okay, there's the upside with no downside. So sort of true, but you don't get the dividends of the S&P 500. Um, and then the other part of the sales of this product is that, well, you put the money in and you have whatever the account value does is based on the index. But there's another writer called an income writer. Uh-huh. where your original investment compounds typically at somewhere between 5 to 10%. And then when you turn 65 or whatever age, 70, you take that higher number, and that's what income for life you get, 4 or 5% for the rest of your life. And that sounds really, really good. But the problem is is how a lot of these products charge, Rob, because your account value is only going to be doing somewhere around you know, 3 to 6%, somewhere around in there. Okay. But the rider is based on that higher compounded number of your original investment growing at somewhere around 7%. So the internal charges just ramp up year after year after year. And people are going to sit there and look at their account value and go, why is my account doing nothing? Well, it's because your rider charges, this usually is somewhere between 0.75 and 1%, is getting hit on this phantom number. It's based on this phantom number. So it's really a way for the insurance companies to charge a lot more. Um, so most of these products are really, really garbage, and most of them lock people in for like seven to ten years. Uh-huh. And there's no free lunch on Wall Street. There's hidden charges. There's you know, free income for life doesn't come for free. I know, so. I know, and you and I have to keep pounding that message because I hate to say this. There's a lot more of them out there selling crappy product than there should be, yeah. and yeah. Um, it's unfortunate. So uh, if you hear the word equity index annuity, raise a flag, contact CFP, Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com, ask questions, and then at least you'll know the answers. Um, now, you also mentioned a version of these as bond alternatives in your 10-pillar event. How is that possible? And the 10-pillar event coming up uh, end of January in Palo Alto. People can sign up for it at newfocusfinancial.com. Sure. Yeah, well, and, and again, these, these bond alternatives that even we're using, we're telling people that, hey, you know, when, when rates normalize again, and that's usually a 4% 10-year treasury, that these aren't going to be good anymore because of the internal charges. But what you can do is you can take bond money, money that you would typically have in bonds. And most bond funds are paying anywhere between 2 and 3% right now. And if they, you know, interest rates ramp up, they could lose money, like we saw last quarter. Um, so what you can do is put them into a no load variable annuity where you can get about half of that money invested in stocks. But at the same time, those products do have income for life guarantees where they'll pay you somewhere between four and 5%, sometimes six or somewhere around there, depending on your age for as long as you live. And if the account value goes to zero, they're still going to pay you. So you can take a little bit more risk with your bond money without taking any um, risk on the income side. But again, there's internal charges for this thing, Rob. It's not a, there's not a free lunch for it. It's a great comparison when it comes to bonds in this day and age. It's not a growth product. It's only for people that are within five years from retirement. 
and are going to be taking income. And, you know, you just have to be clear on what the charges are. But I like to have sometimes up to half of a person's bond portfolio in that type of a product right now because they can get more income without taking income risk. Um, There's a little bit more principal risk, but that doesn't really matter because you're taking it in retirement for income. And if bonds return to normal, I'll just, it's no load. We can get out of it anytime we want. There's no commissions involved. There's no surrender charges. And we can go back and ladder a bond portfolio, which I would love to get back to in my career. I'm with you on that. We need higher interest rates, though. We need higher interest rates to start talking laddered bonds, right? Yeah. It was a lot easier because you could just, okay, here's your stock portion of your portfolio and, and allocate that. And then you, you take your, your bond portion, you buy some, you know, maturities out five years and 10 years and 15 years. And every five years, we got a nice lump sum of money coming due to replace the safe money. And it was a lot easier, you know, 15 years ago, I would tell you. You can find CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. We've got a little over a minute. What age group should consider annuities and for what percentage of their portfolio? Um, the age group is really you kind of, you know, within that retirement zone. So, there's some people that are extremely conservative, and they might consider a, a version of it maybe 10 years from retirement, no sooner. Um, if you're 30, 40, 50 years old, you know, and you're more than 10 years from retirement, somebody's pitching you an annuity, they're a jerk, and they're looking for a big, huge commission, and they'll probably get that commission and not talk to you for another 10 years. So it's really for retirees, and it's only for about 20% at the most of your overall net worth. Okay, and when you recommend no, actually, that actually not net worth of your of your investable assets, not net worth. When you do put annuities into a client's portfolio, are you getting commissions out of those annuity contracts? No, we're, it, the ones that we're using at New Focus are the no load variable annuity versions, uh, like and you, you have to have that flexibility. You have to have the no load because when rates normalize again. A bond at 4 to 6% that you can lock into and buy directly mm-hmm. is going to be better than these no-load with the higher charges. CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. We have that income and retirement coming up. Seminar in Palo Alto on a Thursday, last Thursday of the month. You can sign up for it at uh, black.com or newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. It's the Friday Ice Report. Friday Ice Report. Your San Jose Barracuda Hockey Updates. Let's welcome in from the San Jose Barracuda. I'm excited to talk to John McCarthy, a professional ice hockey player. Pretty cool job title. I'd put that on a business card if I could, but I can't. How are you, Mr. McCarthy? Hi, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Did I wake you up? Is this too early uh, for you? No, no, no. This is perfect. I was, this is what time I get up for practice anyway. Sounds good. Congratulations, yeah. Barracuda. I think you have won like five in a row now. Thank you. Yeah, we're on a little bit of a little bit of a hot streak here. We were we got ourselves back uh, back in the playoff mix, so it's a, an exciting time of year. I came to a recent uh, Barracuda game against the Stockton Heat that y'all were losing three nothing, and you came back to win four three, um, or five three, or something like that. Super exciting. Sat right behind the bench. So I was like, I could see you sweating, and I could see you talking to the coach and assistant coach chirping at you and stuff along those lines. <laughs> Great experience for the family. Super cheap, super affordable. And, uh, again, you can you can really get the best seats at the SAP Center. Um, and there's no line for the bathrooms. Even better, right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, You know, that's kind of what uh, the minor leagues are for. You know, it's, uh, it's 
an affordable night for for if you want to take your kids or take your whole family and you know they have all all kinds of stuff they have like a chuck a puck in between periods and all kinds of little games uh, that the kids seem to like so you know that's kind of the target audience for uh, for us yeah the whole chuck a puck thing it doesn't translate just by the name itself yeah but basically is it do you buy a puck for a dollar or is it a charitable donation you write your name on it I you... think, yeah, I think what you do is you, you on your way in, you'll buy a puck. It has like a number on it and they'll match the number to your name. And then gotcha. in between periods, they'll put a target at center ice and <clears throat> you got to throw your puck from the stands. And if you get it on the bullseye, I, I think you win. I don't know what you win, but you win some sort of prize. So it's, it's the kids seem to like it. So. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, but you're in the dressing room at that point in time. You're from right. Boston and you went to Boston University and you won a national championship at Boston. Mm-hmm. Um What's it like? Because I grew up watching hockey. I don't. I have no skating ability. I can follow my butt pretty well, but that's about yeah. it. But what's it like being a kid from Boston, growing up to play the game and then go to a university? And uh, I mean, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was really cool. We uh, I had an older brother that played, and my and my dad played also. So you know, I was going to play whether I wanted to or not. So I uh, I ended up loving it though. I fell in love with the game at a at a young age, and then. Uh, when it time, <clears throat> came time to go to school, um, I, I had been going to the, there's a tournament called the Bean Pot in Boston, which is BU, BC, Harvard, and Northeastern. And uh, I had been going to it since I was a little kid. And BU always seemed to win when I was growing up, so I always wanted to go to BU. And when it came time to go to college and, you know, they were interested in me, I was, you know, it was kind of a dream come true for me. And I got to play the Bean Pot for four years. And, um, yeah, it was a great experience. I they they make movies about stories like that, just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty sweet. Now you've yeah, played eight, you've played eighty eight games with the Sharks. The Sharks are the NHL team, the Barracuda, the AHL team. I think it's really cool that you get to share their building and share some of their uh, facilities. Yeah. Um, you've only played one game this year. What what's it going to take to get you on the team full time? Um, you know, it's uh, I played uh, a lot of those games uh, primarily in two seasons. They had some injuries, and uh, you know, I was called up. Um, I, I don't know. You know, I, I try not to. As you as you play longer and longer, you, you kind of just realize that worrying about you know call ups and who gets to go first and you know if people if they have openings up there or not. You know, the, the more you think about that, the more you think about things out of your control. Is you're gonna drive yourself nuts. So, you know, as, as I've kind of done this for a few years, you kind of just realize you got to play your game. You know, whichever team you're on, you play your game, and whatever's out of your control is out of your control. So. Um, you know, I'm just focused on playing playing my game for the Barracuda right now, and uh, whatever happens, happens. Scored a big goal in a 4-3 overtime win on Wednesday over the Heat. Um, yep. Congratulations on that. That's got to feel pretty good. Yeah, yeah, they're uh, they're kind of become a division rival for us, and um, we we have a we actually have a couple guys down from the Sharks right now. Uh, a couple guys were on conditioning and. So our team has, uh, you know, changed a little bit, which is kind of one of the things in the AHL that, that happens sometimes. You can have, um, you know, a team one weekend, and then the next weekend you have a, almost a completely different team. And so, you know, I thought it was good. Uh, it showed it showed kind of what we were made of that we were able to come back in that game. Quick question, and you'll probably be the only one who gives me an honest answer because I've talked yeah. to Roy a couple times, I've talked to the GM a couple times, um, yeah. Eric. Um, in that Stockton Heat game where you all were behind three nothing, you guys sent out a player. I no no, no I'm not gonna say you sent out a player, but there was a fight, and it changed the momentum of the game. 
did the coach say, I think his name was McLaren, did he say get in there and go rattle things up? Is that just, <laughs> is it? Um, you know, they never really say that, but, uh, you know, there are guys that, that do look for opportunities to kind of change the momentum of a game, uh, whether it be, you know, a big hit or, you know, uh, it could be a goal, it could be a fight, it could be anything. And I think anyone's really trying to want to do that. And, you know, sometimes uh, that can kind of get the team going. And, you know, in that case, uh, it worked. So you got a couple big games coming up. Um, I see Saturday against San Antonio and Sunday against San Antonio. Um, is that a home-and-home kind of game? Um, we're home both nights. Uh, we're playing the Texas teams. I think we play them six times. So they'll come here for three and we'll go there for three. So, uh, they're kind of, I think they're kind of making a swing through the California teams. And, uh, so we'll play them twice this weekend. That's something unique about the AHL is that because the West Coast teams, you get to play your rivals a little bit more and you're a little bit, um, broken away from the rest of the AHL, even though you still play with the AHL and even though you go for the Calder Cup and things along those lines. Um, it's an interesting division to say the least. What's it like to play the same team twice back to back like that? Yeah, it's uh, you know I kind of like it because you can kind of uh, you get you know almost a, a live scouting report the first night. You kind of see what they do, what their systems are, and what their personnel does, and everything. And then you know you just got to go out the second night and make adjustments, and uh, you know try and win the second night. But um, that is a little unique. Last year, uh, the last. Actually, the last six years that I was with the organization, we were in Worcester, um, and there's a lot more teams out there, so very rarely did we have the back-to-back with the same team. So um, that is a bit of an adjustment, but you know, I, I'd say I like it so far. Good tickets are available for both games. Tickets start at $12. People can get tickets at sjbarracuda.com. It's just sjbarracuda.com. It's getting this Saturday, 8.30 p.m. That's an odd start time. Sunday, a little more friendly with the kids for 3 p.m., but what's up with 8.30? I've never seen that. Uh, I think the Sharks actually play before us. That usually on the doubleheader days we'll play after the Sharks, but I think the Sharks play at like three or four. Okay. So they had to kind of back our team up a little bit, but yeah, I think uh, the three o'clock start would be good to bring the kids out. Now you also are, have been coaching with, um, you've been playing with Coach Roy Summer, uh, five wins away from his breaking his AHL record for the most wins. What's it like working with, I guess, kind of a legend in the AHL? I mean, he's a stalwart. Yeah, it's uh, it's really cool. He was uh, he's been the coach since since I turned pro, and you know he's uh, he's an intense guy, and uh, you know he, he's obviously had a lot of good results. Um, you know I like playing for him, and I think uh, he does a good job of getting the guys you know getting the guys motivated, and and you know everybody wants to win for him. So you know we're we're looking to get those wins uh, in the next few weeks here. Thanks very much. It's John McCarthy. Uh, professional ice hockey player of the San Jose Barracuda. If you go to one Barracuda game, you will be hooked for life. Uh, watching these guys play, it's the best sport in the world live. And if you ever get to go to a game seven of any hockey uh, event, whether it, the game or the winner, the winner takes all, there's nothing better. Um, I saw it as a kid and I've loved it for 35, 40 years since then. John McCarthy with SJ Barracuda. You can find them at sjbarracuda.com. Congratulations to him, and hopefully we see him full-time with the Sharks sooner than later. Nice way to graduate. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, 
back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. Friday, so I get to talk to someone from the IB Times or Newsweek. This time it's IB Times. Great website if you're looking for well-written articles, especially tied towards business or technology. That's the area that I'm most interested in. But it's IBTimes.com. It's Cole Stangler. How are you, Cole? Good. Thanks for having me. Well, you're coming back. That means you did a good job last time. Yeah. <laughs> you, you get another gig, so to speak. Um, let's talk about the job report and the gigs that are out there. What did you see in the jobs report this morning? People in general are saying it's a strong month. I mean, you had employment club, 292,000 jobs. Um, at the same time, unemployment rate stayed 5%. Um, we're not seeing wage growth. That's been a story that really dates to the end of the recession, by some measures, goes back decades. Um, the other big question people are looking at is labor force participation, um, and, and that basically held steady as well. So um, by some measures, yeah, the economy did add a lot of jobs. By other measures, um, if you're an average worker out there, odds are um, things are not getting a whole lot better just because um, the jobs report seemed a little bit better this time around. Yeah, we're stuck at that 5% unemployment rate, and it looks like a great number, but the economy is different. And I I sound like an old man, but back in the day when I was younger kind of thing, it's starting to, to feel like it's different out there, especially with the gig economy. You've recently written about the gig economy. Um, is gig, can I simplify this and say it's like uh, you work when you want to work for Lyft or Uber or you put up your house when you want to sell it or rent it out on um, – uh, Airbnb. Is that what the gig economy is all about? Yeah, I mean, p- people have used a variety of terms to describe this. Started off as a sharing economy, and then once it, I think, gradually became apparent that this, this was not about sharing, but that these were actually profitable uh, enterprises, people kind of dropped that term. So the gig economy, the on-demand economy, which is a kind of a phrase that people use to refer to this broad swath of largely online um, app-based services, um, like you mentioned, whether it's ride-hailing, um, people renting out. Um, their homes or apartments, people using services to to complete certain tasks, um, like food delivery, task rabbit, things like that. Um, and we've, there's been a lot of attention given to the, the rise of these companies. Um, it's sort of a, a, a trendy thing. Um, people have been talking about the way it's going to be revolutionizing work. Um, and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of chatter about that. And there's actually a study that, that just came out from Time Magazine, um, along with a couple other a PR firm, Brisson Moster, and the Aspen Institute think tank, um, estimating a, a large swath of the population um, earning earning significant income from working in this in this so-called gig economy or on-demand economy. And I, I spoke with some some other observers of this, experts, people who have been looking at at the growth of the sector, and, and kind of pointing out that that. This this study, among others, are, are exaggerating the numbers of people who are actually engaged in this um, on a daily basis, um, or at least deriving significant income from it. I have an ancillary story that kind of tells me I'm a little bit worried about the gig economy. I recently yeah. landed in San Jose, and San Jose just opened up to Lyft, and it's fantastic. A, a cab ride home from San Jose Airport would be about $100. With Lyft, it was about $25. But the Lyft driver was like, yeah, you don't – I'm like, so from my house, it's close to SFO, San Francisco Airport. I said, will you just jump over there and pick someone up and take them maybe down to San Jose and like hit a home run? He's like, nope, SFO too busy. He said, if you go to the temporary lot, you'll see 100 Lyft drivers and Uber drivers waiting to pick someone up. 
right. he says it's incredibly disgusting because the airport will only change the porta potty like once a month. Um, and he just basically painted this picture of people standing around urinating, waiting for fares. And maybe the gig economy is not as glorious and as sexy as it sounds. Like, hey, I'm going to turn on my car and going to be a taxi for a couple hours and turn it off. Um, sure. I mean, I mean, this is this is you know, as you probably have seen the Lyft ads um, using this phrase, "Be your own boss" um, everywhere, and this idea that you can you can do this full time to make a living. I think the reality is a lot uh, just darker than that. Um, people. I mean, few few people are actually engaged in this on on a full time basis, and it's it, it's pretty difficult to make a living doing that. Um, you know, one you have if we're talking about Uber and Lyft, you have the commissions that the companies are taking around twenty percent um, of your fare goes to the company, um, and then you have the question of you're not you don't have access to this um, the traditional I shouldn't even say traditional but basic job protections and the kind of safety net that's attached to employment. Um, in the United States, you're, you're, you don't have protection under anti-discrimination laws. You're not bound by labor laws, and so those things tend to tend to add up. And um, it's it's kind of a, a brave new world if you if you try to take the plunge to to do this. I see that you recently wrote an article on mining, where U.S. mining deaths dropped to a historic low. I saw in today's jobs report that mining jobs continue to basically go away, and mining also implies oil. But it all, lumber and mining are tied together. They've lost 131,000 jobs since December 2014. So not a good day for your kid if he wants to grow up to be a logger or an oil drill platform kind of guy. But um, any thoughts yeah, on the or, mining? Uh, Go ahead. I, w- I wouldn't recommend it, yeah, or or coal mining. I mean, as, there's a number of other stresses on, on that industry. But, I mean, these are sectors that are that are far um, far from booming. You, know, you have natural gas that has become widely available, cheaper power plants are using natural gas instead of coal. And you have the just the, the ongoing decline and um, or low levels of global oil prices. It's making it more difficult for um, American oil oil and gas workers to to find work um, and to hold on to work. And, and especially those who are working um, in the shale patch, the shale patches, North Dakota, parts of Texas, Colorado, um, where the cost of production is a lot higher than the cheaper. Um, lower cost Saudi oil and some of the other oil that we're competing with. So um, it'll be interesting to see how long the the so-called boom lasts in, in North Dakota. How long people are going to be continuing to flock there and stay there um, because things are are looking pretty grim. Um, I, I was actually I was out there a year ago and people were talking about. I met with um, a, actually a, a state representative who was talking about how they they predicted this oil boom to last at least another 15, 20 years. Um, and it doesn't look that bright right now. What's interesting is a couple of years ago when the oil boom was hitting North Dakota and the Balkan shell and everyone was talking about it, um, there was an article in the New York Times, and not to quote another author while well, I'm speaking to an author, but um, it was about a stripper that went basically to North Dakota and made $300,000 a year because there's no women there. And it's just a bunch of miners and oil people. And I was like, that's fascinating because I'm not a woman, but if I were, I was like, that's a lot of money. That's a huge amount of money. Um, so the jobs inside the jobs, I know you don't have to comment on that, but any comment on that? I mean, this was, there was, I mean, famously the, the Walmart in Williston, North Dakota, I don't remember the exact number, but it was something like starting pay was $15 an hour or something. So it's sort of this totally inflated um, kind of special job market that that's that's detached almost from the rest of the country. It's it's isolated from 
for major cities. Um, and prices prices are inflated. Um, and I wonder how long that workers at that Walmart are going to be, are going to be being paid $15 an hour. I can't expect it to be, to be that case um, much longer, you would think. I'm speaking with Cole Stangler, a uh, reporter for the IB Times. He obviously specializes on labor and wages and uh, the economy overall. Um, New York set for a $15 wage for city workers. Um, a lot of America, California, I think we just went from $9 an hour minimum wage to $10 an hour minimum wage. Um, a lot of states are doing this. Is, is it helping the workers, or is it still just a case of that's just a little bit of money? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a good question. I, I think a lot of people. I don't. I don't think a lot of these big wage hikes have have taken effect for long enough for us to really know what what the impacts are. Um, the 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 three cities that have the most aggressive wage increases: Seattle, Los Angeles, and San Francisco, all creating the fifteen dollar minimum wages. Um, they haven't gotten to $15 yet. They're being phased in right now. Oakland has another one that's not, not $15, but another pretty substantial wage increase. And so I think you need to just have more time to, to see what the, the effects are. The, state, the statewide wage increases that we're seeing are not nearly as, uh, as aggressive or substantial as, as the, the citywide ones. And I think ultimately we're just going to need more time. It, it's, it's a super politicized, supercharged topic for, for a variety of reasons on, on both sides of the issue. Um, but the fact is, I think we just need to to wait. Um, there hasn't, there really hasn't been a lot of research on wage increases of this magnitude. So you you actually have some economists who, even on the on the kind of liberal side of things, saying that they're perhaps a little concerned about the impacts of of, of the fifteen dollar wage um, and what the impacts would be if we had, for example, a federal fifteen dollar minimum wage. Um, so, so I mean, there is that concern, but I think ultimately it's just too soon to say. Cole, we've got about a minute and a half, and I'm speaking with Cole Stangler, staff writer for the IB Times, ibtimes.com. If you punch in his last name, Stangler, you'll find all of his articles. Fascinating reads. Um, minute and a half, basically it's all your time. Anything you want to talk about on the economy, on jobs, uh, anything that's burning in your head that you want to get out? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think uh, next week, Monday, you have a couple of really interesting court cases going on um, that – um, affects small portions of the workforce now, but I think a lot of people are going to be watching. You have the NLRB, the National Labor Relations Board, examining whether or not McDonald's Corporation should be held liable for labor violations um, allegedly committed by its franchisees. So a lot of people, the fast food industry, um, people who have franchises, are looking at that case as a kind of benchmark, um, um, you know, or, 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 or looking, looking at what the impact could be. If, if McDonald's is, is held liable for this, um, you would imagine other fast food corporations could be held liable in the future. I think that's one big thing happening on Monday. The other one is you have um, oral arguments in the big Supreme Court case um, that could determine um, the fate, ultimately, of, of public sector unionism in the United States, looking at whether or not unions can charge fees to non-members um, in the public sector. So a couple of really significant cases um, opening next week. Thanks very much. That's Cole Stangler, staff writer, IB Times. Always a good interview. Thank you so much. Um, Have a good weekend. It's Cole Stangler with IBTimes.com.
listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome in, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Stocks open stronger on the employment number today, and then they got well, they've weakened. And they're not in the red, but they've weakened. The ten-year Treasury sits at two point one percent. A lot of experts are coming out of the woodwork right now, saying, "Yep, this would be a bad year." Now, where were they two weeks ago, three weeks ago, when we we're talking Santa Claus rally? Um, so we hit China. China basically unraveled this week. And China seems to unravel quickly. Sometimes things unravel slowly. Sometimes they unravel quickly. The truth is, anytime you've had six up years in a market, up 200 plus percent, anytime you've had that, you have to stop yourself and say, hmm, I wonder if this thing goes all the way to the clouds. And if I climb up it, I'm going to find this goose that lays golden eggs and make it even better. Uh, no, that doesn't sound right, does it? But up 200%, you're starting to get there. Like 200%, sweet. In a little over five years, six years, like, that's not bad. So historically, it doesn't go like that. It doesn't always go up. And again, am I predicting that we go down 10, 15% from here? I don't know. I'd love to see it. You know why? Because even though I have some gray hair, my chest hair is still mostly, you know, brownish. Hair on my back still mostly brownish. Hair on the bottom of my feet still mostly brownish. Um, I got most of my hair on the head, which is good. But the point being is that I'm not ready to retire, so I like a 10 to 15% sale on the Wall Street. You don't get them often. Do you know how, many, how often you get a, a down 20% market? Once every eight years. Once every 8.6, 8.7 years. I love 20% sales. Are we going to get one? I don't know. It's been a while certainly makes sense. So anytime the market corrects 10%, I'm going, okay, that's, we're halfway there. And it, I, like Bon Jovi starts going through my head. Oh, we're halfway there. Oh, I love it when things are cheap. So yesterday, you know, things were pretty ugly. And I look at Disney, and they've gone from like 123 down to 100. I look at Apple, 133 down to 98. I look at Nike, man, they haven't moved that far down. Um, so I'll pull up like Visa right now. You know I like Visa, right? I've liked Visa for 15 years. I liked them before they were even public. Um, because if you could sponsor a Super Bowl, you're probably a pretty good investment. Not always. There was that year during the dot-coms where like um, Sock Puppet, you know, or the if, if, if you see a commercial where there's a monkey riding a rocket, an E-Trade commercial to the top of the moon, a monkey on a rocket, the stocks are going higher. That's probably not a good sign because it says any monkey can do it. But Visa has gone recently from 81 down to 73 and a half. Okay, so that's what? Seven, eight, maybe 10%. Nah, I still like Disney a little bit more. It's giving me a little bit more of a correction, right? Not much more. So that's, you're not going to get the discount on the great names that you always want. Sometimes you are. You know, uh, Apple now has a, t- a dividend yield similar to the S&P 500. I'm kind of going backwards here, and I probably shouldn't. So the jobs report that came out was good. It's pointless to make any real proclamations about what the market should do off these this news. Because, you know, we have China concerns. We've got valuation concerns. We've got Middle East concerns. 
we've got that little dictator, Kim Jong-il, uh, North Korea. We've got him and him. I think he just invented a microwave because he just came out with a smaller atom bomb that, like, hey, like we've had that for like 80 years. So I think they're uh, – what's he going to do with it? What's he going to do with it? Is he going to, you know, level L.A.? Is he going to level South Korea? Uh, what's the, what's Saudi Arabia going to do now that they hate Iran and Iran's nuclear capabilities? I don't know. So there's some things that we can't really quantify right now that we have to be patient on, and we have to say, okay, this is a riskier environment than it was just one week ago, two weeks ago, because of North Korea and because Saudi Arabia is having problems with Iran. Saudi Arabia and Iran probably more like lower oil because Iran's going to start selling oil again soon tied towards their nuclear treaty that we probably shouldn't have signed because now they've, they're talking about making weapons again. Like, Hey, thanks for letting us have our nuclear capabilities back. Um, anyway, you get the idea. After Thursday's close, Apple suppliers Cirrus and Corvo both issued revenue warnings tied towards weaker than expected demand. Apple's not going to have a blowout quarter. Will it be the time that you pick up shares or is Apple officially dead? Is the stake in Apple? Is it the vampire? Has it turned to dust? Or maybe the stake's just halfway there. Oh, living on a prayer. You can tell I, took, I did really well with music lessons, right? I spent that money well. Um, so anyway, the employment number is pretty good. Persons unemployed for 27 weeks or longer accounted for 26% of the unemployed. That's crazy. So we've got this U6 unemployment rate, which accounts for the unemployed, underemployed, or marginally attached workers. That's unchanged at 9.9%. Number of uh, African Americans unemployed in the United States higher than than whites, um, yeah, which is higher than Asians. Like, whoa! Like, break out these numbers and like start thinking about them and what does it mean to you? Um. So anyway, have a shopping list is what I'm getting at. And then be patient if you don't have gray hair on the bottom of your feet, if you don't have gray hair all over your chest, if you don't have gray hair on, on your back, if you've got some color or pigmentation still left in your your hair, and I know you're saying, please don't say hair on back again. <laughs> That's upsetting. I saw Chewbacca once on a New Jersey beach. I did. Um, and that's all I'm going to leave you with. Um, a lot of people think the market still has some downside. Are you comfortable with that? I'm going to let the real man sing it. He's wildly wealthy. He wants to buy an NFL team because he's got like six songs in his canon. He could buy an NFL team. I'm Rob Black. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.